Hey everyone, this is Gabby and Karim, and you're listening to the Making of an Incredible MD podcast by Halide to Health. Tune in each week to hear us talk about the journey of getting into med school. From GAMSAT to medical interviews, get the insider scoop from med students who have done it all before. So So stay stay tuned tuned and get ready to get med ready. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Making of an Incredible MD. I'm Karim and today we are doing another station uh, with a student. Before we get started, I'd like to do an acknowledgement to countries. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which I'm recording today. For me personally, that is the Wurundjeri people and I'd like to pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. So today's station is on Indigenous health. Um, It talks about some really difficult conversations uh, about professionalism uh, and about racism and how to deal with it as a medical student. Uh, I'd say this is quite a difficult station. There are four questions. The timing we used today was one minute reading time and five minutes answering time. Uh, As usual, try and have a go at doing the station as we are going along. I'll read out the scenario now. So you are a medical student on a placement in a busy hospital emergency department. You are reviewing patients with a consultant and a junior doctor and see a recently admitted Aboriginal woman. You overhear the consultant saying, you have to be careful giving Aboriginals drugs. The first question is, what are some of the ethical issues here? All right, Brendan, when you're ready. So in this scenario, some of the ethical issues at play are um, the what the patient would like. So in terms of um, the patient here, in this case, is Indigenous. Um, we need to consider potential um, Indigenous ethics in terms of what they would um, sort of, like the, their sort of uh, relationship to, to drugs and how that might fit into their culture, whether or, whether or not they would want to um, use medication. Um, some other ethical issues are assuming a correlation between the Indigenous culture and, and negative drug stigma. Um, so this consultant is obviously um, potentially or potentially saying that, um, assuming that the Indigenous culture is related to illicit drug use, um, where, where in this case it's it's more a medical sort of use. Um, yeah. Okay. And what would you say to the doctor? To the consultant? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would, I'd start by explaining um, that in terms of the medication use, uh, we can't assume, can't assume a correlation between, between being careful of giving the drugs and, and the Indigenous person. Um, obviously, we're in a hospital emergency department. Um, so depending on the situation, the use of drugs may be, um, life, life sort of change whether or not the person will live. Um, so I would I would consult the doctor by saying that we should put the the patient's autonomy first um, without making any decisions. And how would this change uh, if you were a doctor versus a medical student? My view. Um, well, if I was a doctor, I'd be the one making the final call. So. Um, it would ultimately be my uh, view that would dictate 
um, whether or whether or not the drug use is appropriate. Um, but I guess in terms of uh, in terms of this scenario and just in a in a hospital setting, um, the ethics standpoint shouldn't change according to whether it's a doctor or a medical student. Um, yeah, the pa the patient's overall uh, well being is is probably the forefront here for both parties. And how can doctors advocate for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people? Yep. So obviously, um, doctors play a massive role in um, in providing equal and equitable healthcare systems to all all cultures in Australia. Um, obviously, there's a correlation between um, a certain quality of life for people and their their health status. So doctors play a crucial role in in educating and providing necessary healthcare to Indigenous and non-Indigenous people in Australia. Um, so, yeah, I guess the importance of, of doctors being ethical and, I guess, equitable as well in terms of providing healthcare is important for the Indigenous people. We've got a couple of minutes left. Is there anything yeah. you'd like to add? Um, Any questions you'd like me to repeat? Yeah. Uh, what was the second one? I feel like I made a mess of that. So the second question was, if you were the medical student, what would you yeah. say to the consultant? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that one stumped me a lot. Yeah, I probably, probably don't have anything more to add. Okay, that's all right. Completely fine. Hi everyone, sorry to interrupt your podcast, just popping in to let you know that our Hala to Health MMR season is just around the corner. This season we have the option of both virtual and live circuits, where you can choose whether to submit your mock MMI and get feedback from an examiner at a later time, or attend the live circuits and get feedback from a real examiner who is a current medical student who's done it all before in live time. If you're interested in finding out more about these great MMIs, please find links in our show notes or otherwise you can head to our website to get more information. We'll see you at the live MMIs. So, yeah, um, I guess overall, how do you think you went? Yeah, not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a challenging station and... Yeah. It's really tricky when you get stations like this because they can be really confronting and it's not something yeah. you commonly see, mm. um, like, you know, such outright racism. Um, but it's really important to be aware of because I, you know, I actually have seen similar things like this on the ward where people have had really specific biases uh, that have judged the way they act or, or, sorry, changed the way they act or dictated the way they behave um so it's really important to be aware of them and to like have a good structure for how you go about um dealing with a pro problem like this or a situation like this mm -hmm. so if we really try and uh distill the station down it's essentially how do you deal with conflict resolution so in terms of the consultant has a particular view that you probably should disagree with um and it's how can we manage that view um, in a way that's safe for the patient. But it's also about the racism that, and biases that can occur in healthcare 
And on top of that, there's a few more issues as well. So let's go through each question and kind of discuss what some of the important things are. Yeah. So first of all, racism, really big part of this particular stem. So the consultant has a particular bias towards uh, Aboriginal people of Australia. And it's really important that um, that racism is dealt with in a professional manner. Um, so that comes into another really important point, which is reporting misconduct. So as a medical student, it's still, you're still part of the team and you still have a responsibility towards the patients that you're looking after. So it's really important to, I guess, have this idea of when it might be important to report misconduct and hopefully like you're in a system where it's very readily available to you to report these sorts of things um, where you can do it anonymously, where it doesn't impact your career progression, where you feel safe and comfortable to do so. But, um, you know, if a consultant has an opinion like that and, you know, like you mentioned, if these drugs are life-saving or even if they're just to manage like pain, for example, um, it's really important that the consultant doesn't have that opinion so that he can manage everyone, like you said, to the best of his abilities, regardless of what their background is. Another ethical issue to think about here, um, and this is really useful for just any station that you do, is who are the key stakeholders? So there's you, the junior doctor, the consultant, uh, and the patient. They're the four main ones. And then there's also, you can think more broadly about like the hospital. So obviously the hospital will have specific guidelines about the way in which doctors should behave. And then just the, like really broadly the healthcare system. So they have, you know, APRA and the way APRA regulates how doctors um, should conduct themselves. And there's something called a uh, code of conduct that all doctors uh, need to be aware of. Um, and obviously racism is something that's not allowed. Um, so you can come back to like your four main pillars of ethics and medicine. Yeah. Um, and one of them kind of the idea of it is being equitable, uh, as you mentioned, and regardless of who you say, you should treat them equally, regardless of their background or what you know about them. So yeah, that's like another issue that comes up as well. Um, and then one thing that you really, I really liked that you mentioned was like the patient's view and the patient's autonomy. So I thought that was really good. Like what does the patient actually want here? But also what does a patient need? Like they're vulnerable in this situation. They can't dictate whether or not the doctor prescribes them the medication. Um, and so they need doctors who will advocate for them when, uh, when necessary. I think that's the main issue. There's obviously heaps to unpack there, but you can break things down into who's involved and what things do they care about. So there's your responsibility in terms of like reporting. There's the patient in terms of their safety. There's the consultant in terms of like addressing their views and their opinions as well. Um, or another way you can break it down as well is you can, this also found this really helpful. Uh, and we always talk about it on the podcast is 
Um, you can look at the individual level, societal level, and then government level in terms of like the issues involved at each stage. So at the individual level, there's the actual safety of the patient. Maybe at the hospital level, there's like guidelines in terms of like the best management of a patient in that situation, reporting misconduct in the hospital level. Then at a government level, you're talking about like code of conduct for doctors reporting to APRA, that sort of thing. Right? Yep. So that was, I think you framed that pretty well. In terms of question two, what would you say to a consultant? So, yeah, you, you definitely found this quite difficult. And yeah, don't get me wrong. I think in this particular situation, it would be extremely hard. And I think it's okay to acknowledge that it would be extremely hard to stand up to a consultant and like confront them mm -hmm. about, um, you know, their views. But a useful strategy is to say something like, what do you mean by that? Um, and it's sort of non-confrontational. It's also professional. Uh, and it allows you to gain a better picture of what their views actually are. Yeah, okay. Because... You can't really assume what they're actually... Yeah, I don't know. Exactly, yeah. You know, a really big part of being a medical student or a doctor even is like you want to get a clear idea of what's going on before you make an assumption. So, yeah, be really careful in the way that you phrase things. Like, he might have meant his intention might have been something a lot less harmful than the way he phrased it. Yeah. But obviously the phrase here is very, um, it's very inappropriate. And so, yeah. like, it's important to gain some further understanding of what they mean by that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, be really explicit in terms of like what you would actually do in that situation. Yeah. So you would say, you know, um, like, what do you mean by that? Gain some understanding of what it is they're trying to say. Uh, and then essentially based on that, you can then think about, well, is this something that I should report to someone else? Like, is this doctor actually practicing safely? So you never, would you never sort of confront the situation or? You, yeah, you should never, unless the patient's life is in danger. So yeah. unless this medication was like life saving and they were refusing to do it, then you should remain professional and you should try and gain a clear picture of everything that's going on and then um, make a decision based off that rather than um being confrontational in that specific scenario so that question was really about the professionalism the way you might handle a situation like that yes um and just remembering like you know if it's done in front of the doctor as well oh sorry if it's done in front of the patient um the patient might feel uncomfortable like that their doctors are like fighting <laughs> yeah like having an argument so they might yeah, you know yeah. like you gotta think about the environment in which it's happening that sort of thing yeah. So just a quick question. So yeah. when you do this um, role play, would you, like, I don't know if it's something that you did when you were trying to get in there, but would you make notes from it or is it sort of, would you ever drop notes down or is it just something you just got off the cuff usually? Yeah, I think just broadly, uh, whenever you come across a situation, any scenario, um, yeah. you start to notice like themes of things yeah. that come up quite often. Yeah. Um, and it's good to have an understanding of how you'd manage the ethics of this sort of situation. Mm -hmm. So you need to understand like how you manage the ethics of like racism, yeah. of like patient autonomy, 
patient privacy, that sort of stuff. Um, so like for each theme, you need to have a good understanding of the topic and how you would deal with it. Um, so like for a situation like this, like I would try and get out of this, like how I might deal with conflict resolution, reporting really serious behavior, that sort of stuff. So trying to like broaden my horizons in terms of how to actually deal with a situation like this. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, but good question though. I think, yeah, you can definitely gain a lot from each station that you do. It's just a bit, mm. you try to do as much practice as you can. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll keep moving. So on to question three. Um, would this change if you're a doctor versus a medical student? So this question tries to make you imagine a scenario where you might have been the junior doctor, I think, um, or potentially the consultant. But either way, uh, I think in this particular case, it's getting more like if you were the junior doctor, yeah, how would you deal with it? Um, because I suppose what it's trying to say is like, if you were further up in the hierarchy, would you find it easier to report? Would you find it easier to manage the situation? Would you have more expertise in being able to say, well, I do think they need to take this medication, et cetera. And you considered some of those things, which I thought was really good, that you, like, as a doctor, were the final decision maker, which gets towards that idea of, like, acknowledging that as a medical student, you have a lot less power, but you still have a responsibility towards the patient. And that's uh, really like that you said that your the best management shouldn't change regardless of whether you're a medical student or a doctor, because that's what it's getting out of this question. It's trying to gauge, you know, does it matter where you are in that hierarchy in terms of being able to help your patients? And the idea is that hopefully not, you should still be able to advocate for them as much as possible. Yeah. And then for the last question, so this is, uh, stations tend to go a lot like this. They tend to like ask really specific questions and then at the end they'll ask a more broad question. They kind of just want to gauge your understanding about the topic a little bit. Yeah. So in this case it was how can doctors advocate for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people? So... This is a really broad topic. <laughs> um, there's a lot you can do. So I really like some of the points you brought up. Obviously, doctors have a role in being equitable in the way they provide care for all Australians, um, whether they are Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander or not. However, doctors have an extra responsibility for people who are Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander because there are specific services out there for them yeah. that... Um, are important because of the gap that exists in uh, health equity between non-Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people versus Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So that concept is really important and they hammer yeah. that into us in medical school. <laughs> so yeah. it's good to have a bit of understanding about it and I'll definitely yeah. do some research into like what services are out there. Yeah. But a really easy ones, you can, once again, break this down into, like, individual societal government. Mm -hmm. So at the individual level, someone who presents to the hospital, you can um, refer them to an Aboriginal liaison officer, an ALO. They are really, really useful. They play a fantastic role in the team. 
And that will depend on the patient's wishes. They might not want to be referred to an ALO, but it's useful to know that it's a service that's out there and it can help you advocate for your patients who identify that way. Um, You can advocate yourself, obviously. So like what you said, so you can provide equitable healthcare to them and, you, you know, not let, not have any biases, I suppose, um, and providing education, I guess, as well. Um, you can also then think about, like, societal level or in your community, so in your hospital, ensuring that there is cultural training that is really powerful because it helps the organisation um, because we all come from different backgrounds, different cultures. We all have different biases that we're brought up with. And so it's really important that we don't assume that anyone has this level of like cultural training and that everyone should receive cultural training so that everyone can be um, held liable, I guess, but also like be educated regarding the topic so that the staff can do the most and do the best that they can for the, for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander patients. Yeah. And then from government points of view, you can think about like as a doctor, like you have this, you know, powerful voice in the community. You're being able to lobby for these patients and lobby for changes in um, their healthcare access and, you know, having increased doctors to the communities that they live in, having better access to healthcare. Um, so that's more of a public health perspective, uh, but something that doctors can get involved with and, and advocate for their patients. So I really like that sort of stepwise progression. Yeah, that's health good. structure. Sorry? No, that's, that's good. I didn't really think about This has been helpful. As I start to think how you break it down, it's good. Yeah, yeah. It's... Because these stations are so short, it's really useful to have a structure for how you start answering your questions. Um, So start developing a few different types of structures that you use so that you cancels come out really easily. Um, You know, like that sort of ethics point of view, like bringing it back to autonomy and like the main pillars of ethics that's one form of structure. Then like you've got that sort of individual society government structure. Then you've got like the who, what, when, where sort of structure is actually really useful sometimes. Um, the key stakeholders, that's a different type of structure. Uh, what else is there? There's one more, but I can't think of it. But anyway, like the whole point is, you know, having a really structured answer so that it comes across very easily to the examiner. And because yeah. you've only got one minute, you need to sort of be like really quick and sharp. Yeah, for sure. Did so you have any questions at all? Yeah, just um, how many of these, how many scenarios do you usually expect? Sort of like six to 12, isn't it? Depends where you interview. Each university will have very different numbers of scenarios that you'll go through. Yeah. I think at Melbourne, they we had six. I think yeah. at Monash we had eight. Yeah. So it really varies. Some have more, some have less. Um, okay. But, yeah, you can expect quite a few. And it's not always um, ethics stations. It's not always about ethical scenarios. Yeah. Oftentimes it's about things like teamwork and leadership. Yeah. Okay. They come up quite a lot as well because obviously they're really important parts of um, being a doctor. And then you've got ones that are a bit weirder, like abstract, you know, 
um, got acting stations as well. Mm. They're a bit different. So, yeah, definitely have a listen to a podcast on like, yeah, tell yeah, Okay, so that was that station. I hope you guys found that topic useful and I hope that some of the feedback and discussion uh, was something that you guys can take on board and hopefully learn from. Uh, We'll have more episodes similar to this coming up in the future and we'll also continue doing our station breakdown episodes. Also, feel free to check out some of our other episodes on learning in medicine where we talk to professionals about... Uh, Very interesting topics that are current and very useful for uh, applying for interviews and that sort of thing. If you have any questions at all, feel free to reach out to myself at Karim at halaltohealth.org or Gabby at halaltohealth.org. And yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Making of an Incredible MD podcast by Halad to Health. Please like, share and subscribe to help spread the word about our podcast. And we'd love to hear your feedback. So send us an email or message on Facebook. All of our links are in the show notes. Thanks. We'll see you next time.